fear and hatred have been dogging American Muslims and even non-Muslims who are perceived to be Muslim, particularly since 9-11. At the same time, misunderstandings about the religion are widespread and affect many even within the world of Islam. So perhaps now, more than ever, a responsible and comprehensive look at the teachings of Islam is in order. An ambitious new book is about to be released by Harper One, titled The Study Quran, A New Translation and Commentary. And joining me now from the United Arab Emirates is one of the scholars who participated in this project, Dr. Joseph Lombard. Dr. Lombard, welcome to State of Belief Radio. Thank you very much for having me, Reverend Gaddy. I want to begin by asking you to help me describe to our listeners the study Quran. What, what is it? Well, the study Quran is the first Quran in any Western language to have, along with the translation, uh, about a million words of commentary that help one understand the historical context of certain verses of the Quran and to understand how many verses of the Quran have actually been interpreted by Muslims throughout Islamic history. So it offers a kind of complete, comprehensive introduction to the text and lets one dig deep into certain passages that one might want to further engage. Mm -hmm. And accompanying that, it's got 17 essays that also touch upon important aspects of the Quran. Mm. How did you come to participate in this project? Well, I sat down to lunch with Sayyid Hussein Nasser back in February of, oh, what year was that? 2006, I guess it was. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he told me that he had been asked to do this um, and that uh, he wanted me to join him as one of the editors. And then I, uh, he and I assembled the rest of the editorial team uh, and we started a project that took us up until today, and it's coming out this month. Yeah. Who are the other contributors? What Are these all scholars in uh, the Quranic literature? Or uh, Tell us about them. Well, all the other, all, all the other editors, Yunair Dali, Maria Daycake, who are also general editors with me, um, they're also uh, scholars who are Muslim but are also trained in the Western academic tradition. Uh, conversant in Quranic Arabic and Quranic studies, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then our assistant editor Muhammad uh, Rustam. Uh, so we're all people who come from different, slightly different backgrounds, um, but uh, have all been trained in the West and worked extensively with the Quran in many different ways. Why did you think this was needed, particularly right now? Well, I think there's a tremendous lack of literacy regarding Islam and what Muslims actually say and, uh, and actually believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this volume, uh, there will be things that people will disagree with, but at least they're going to know what Muslims actually think about these things, rather than many of the uh, misrepresentations that we find flying around everywhere from the halls of the Vatican to the halls of academia to uh, talk radio. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm curious... Was there anything that was new to you that came up while you were working on this project? <laughs> a million things. <laughs> I mean, there are uh, do, being this deeply engaged 
in the uh, in the you know over thousand years of scholarship regarding the Quran that's been written by Muslims opens up so many vistas within the tradition. I, I have a lifetime of uh, of projects built up just from the things that I noticed within this. But I think one of the things that really evades a lot of people is uh, is the the real plurality of the classical Islamic tradition. It's something that you, people like me who study the tradition, we know in principle. But then when you really start digging into it, and you really see how diverse the tradition has been and, and the many different ways in which verses of the Quran for which you might think, oh, there's one general interpretation, but the many different ways in which it's been engaged over the years, this is something that, that it, it's like the stunning complexity of a crystal. The more you look into it, the more amazing you find it is. Hmm. I know that um, there can be all kinds of debate about interpretations of the text, but my guess is there were also debates about the accuracy of the text. How did? Tell us how you resolved which text of the Quran did you use, and were all of you comfortable with the one that's being published? We're all very comfortable with the one that's being published. There were, of course, differences of opinion. Now, I have to ask you a question for that. I gather that you're referring to there being, uh, to, the, to the idea that there might be different, somewhat different versions of the original Quran? Well, uh, yes, and I don't know whether I'm asking that question the right way or not, because I, uh, I think there are uh, descriptions of teachings that some people identify as the Quran and some other people identify as something that's not really the Quran but is uh, legitimately a part of a discussion of it. Yeah, well, within the Quranic text itself, is, uh, is there is very standard agreement, uh, particularly within the Islamic tradition, as to what is the actual text. There are multiple readings of the text. Mm-hmm. Those readings can sometimes lead to slight variations mm-hmm. at times. Um, but what we did was in the commentary, we would incorporate those variations in the readings when they had a significant impact on the interpretation of the text. Mm-hmm. Um, when the slight variations in how you might read something did not have a significant impact on the interpretation of the text, we didn't put that in the commentary. Now, there's one particular reading of the Quran that is the most widespread today, mm-hmm. and that's the one that we employed. And there are two or three places where we used one of the other readings of the text in the translation because it made more sense in the translation, it made more sense to us overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, we've used that particular uh, uh, reading style, uh, which is known as the Huff's reading style. Okay. As I'm sure you've experienced, and as certainly I've experienced in uh, being an interpreter um, of uh, the Bible, both the Hebrew Scriptures and the Christian Scriptures, um, people are very prone. In fact, I think it's the bane uh, that all of us have to deal with. People uh, proof text. They rip texts out of their context 
and make them mean whatever they want them to mean rather than what the text itself in its original context meant, um, knowing that that's going to happen to this book, um, what are some of the texts that you think are most important for people to understand in order to be correct in their interpretation of Islam? Some of the texts understand, well, that's a good question. Um, I think that one of the things that it's most important for people to actually understand, and I think that almost all Muslim scholars throughout history would agree with me on this, is the opening chapter of the Quran, and that's why our interpretation of it is actually um, the longest in terms of the percentage of the uh, of commentary to actual words of uh, of translation. Because mm-hmm. when one digs into it, it really, in a sense, contains the whole of the uh, of the message of the Qur'an and the whole of the message of, uh, of Islam mm-hmm. in many ways. But it's interesting that you mention this phenomena of proof texting. Because within the classical Islamic tradition, from the very beginning of the commentary tradition, scholars were wary of the ways in which people might do this. And one of the, the things that they did that really makes Qur'anic commentary very different from what you have with biblical commentary, Mm -hmm. is that there was a very deep effort to try to confirm the exact historical circumstances of each particular verse. Mm -hmm. So if you have a verse, that, for example, a famous verse that comes up a lot in in the Quran is people say that in Surah 5 of the Quran, it says, do not take the Jews and Christians as uh, as friends. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not actually what it says. When you actually go into it and you look at it and you see the word awliya that people translate as friends, in modern Arabic you can translate that as friends. But in classical Arabic, especially in the verse that it's used, it actually means don't take them as allies. Hmm. And the verse is telling Muslims at the time, don't try to kind of hedge your bets about whether or not Islam is going to succeed by making alliances with other groups and other tribes in case it doesn't. Now, in other words, you know, if you're going to be with us, you're going to be with us. If you're not going to be with us, don't try and, and, and hedge your bets both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you look at the actual historical circumstance of the verse, that exact meaning becomes clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that Muslims have always guarded against. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But this is actually what you see today with a group like ISIS. Mm-hmm. I mean, they proof text to the extreme. Mm-hmm. And that's why... Every single classically trained Islamic scholar in the world today rejects them outright. And they've signed documents against them, and some of them have given their lives to oppose them. Mm-hmm. It's because that is taking proof text to its very dangerous extreme. That's a, that's a great answer, and it's exactly the kind of thing I was thinking about, because my, uh, my approach to even doing this interview is, my hope is, that the the readers of this volume are not just Muslims. I hope the readers are widespread in Christianity and uh, in Judaism and in other religions. I think it can be so helpful there if people uh, will learn from it. Uh, what do you hope readers of this book will gain from uh, reading the new translation as well as the commentaries? Well, for Muslims, I hope that they will gain um, a greater uh, literacy of the, uh, the tradition. Now, even a lot of Muslims 
who can read Arabic don't have the uh, ability to necessarily read the classical commentaries in Arabic, and we used some that were in Persian as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope that Muslims will gain that greater religious literacy. Mm -hmm. um, I also hope that non-Muslims will go to the text with an open mind, mm -hmm. because really, look, when it comes to the community for whom we can say this is their book, it, it's us. This mm -hmm. is the book of the, uh, of the Muslims. And it's our responsibility to represent it properly. And I think that there's a degree to which that hasn't fully happened mm -hmm. in the West. It's our responsibility to represent it properly, and it's also our right to do so. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, we've, uh, with this volume, I hope that we have uh, taken on that responsibility and in a sense seized that right, and that it will put us into a genuine dialogue with people of other faiths and people mm -hmm. who are not of faith, mm -hmm. who are from outside the Muslim tradition, so that at least when they come to ask us something, it will be based upon what our tradition actually says, rather mm -hmm. than what some pundit out there says Islam says, when Muslims sit there and say, what? I've never heard a Muslim <laughs> say that. And so I'm hoping that it will, it will basically improve the dialogue for everyone involved. Well, I, and I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, that uh, that is a, a great hope I have for you, too. I'd like for you to talk just a second about the launch event for the Study Quran this week in Washington. Uh, I know you're scheduled to be there for this event. We will have uh, people from State of Belief there and people from um, Interfaith Alliance there. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be in D.C. and I can't, but tell us just a little bit about that. Well, we're going to have the uh, the major media launch event. It's going to be uh, November 12th, Thursday, November 12th, at uh, Georgetown University. And uh, Sayed Hussein Nasser, the editor-in-chief, will be there, and myself and the other general editors, uh, as well as uh, Imam Soheib Webb. Um, and then it will be chaired by Mahdi Hassan, mm -hmm. uh, who is with uh, Al Jazeera, among other things. Mm -hmm. And we hope that it will be an event where people uh, can ask questions, such as the ones that you're asking, mm -hmm. and we'll help other people to start viewing this text as a major move uh, towards a broader uh, and more effective uh, engagement with Islam in the West. Good. The Study Quran, a new translation and commentary is being released Tuesday by Harper One with a launch event in Washington, D.C. We'll post information at stateofbelief.com. Dr. Joseph E.B. Lombard is currently a professor at the American University of Sharjah in the Department of Arabic and Translation Studies, a translator, commentary, author, and general editor for the Study Quran. He's also a former advisor for interfaith affairs to King Abdullah II of Jordan, and he's taken part in several interfaith dialogues, among them uh, the Common Word Initiative, an important initiative. Uh, Dr. Lombard, I, uh, I've already said I'm excited about the uh, release of this publication. I'm grateful to you and your colleagues for the time and scholarly energy that you poured into it. And um, I'm really thankful for you being with us today on State of Belief Radio. Well, Reverend Gaddy, thank you very much for having me. It was an honor.